hello. Um, welcome, probably mostly FAU fans and maybe some FIU fans today to another emergency podcast, one that we were kind of expecting uh, this week. FAU has hired a head coach, and what, Jake, is it? We'll call it um, four days, safe to say four days. Yeah, I would um, call it four days. Yeah, since, you know, it was kind of no lane uh, just before the uh, Conference USA championship game. You know, that lane was leaving. I'm guessing if you probably had some wheels spinning on this, but, you know, as, a, as it's been broken by many sources and now as we're recording this, Taggart has met with the team. Willie Taggart is the head football coach um, of Florida Atlantic. Uh, Willie Taggart, you know, um, and we're going to break into it, kind of has a, a, a really up and down past um, coaching. And he has a lot of things where – you know, in a kind of a debate setting like we're kind of doing now where you can pull something positive and you can pull something negative with him. You know what I mean? It's it really Taggart's really someone. It just depends which side of the coin um, you want to look at. Um, you know, Jake, I get, I guess, you know, this all kind of happened so fast today. I remember I tweeted out today, I think uh, at like 1030 AM, like a tumbleweed gift. I don't know if you saw it. Of you know, FAU searching of uh, coaching search news tumbleweed gift, and then of course, two hours later, it's oh Willie Taggart's the leader, and two hours after that, it's it's done. This happened seemed instant. So do you, do you really have any rough idea how it kind of all went down? Well, all this was very quick, and we're, we are recording this Wednesday night. They're going to introduce Taggart at the stadium tomorrow, like Shane said. He met with the team tonight, but this really was Monday was fairly quiet. Sunday was to be expected quiet. Tuesday, I reported and a couple other outlets followed that Glenn Spencer interviewed for the job, the interim coach. But other than that, everything was really quiet. No national outlets were talking about it. Really no other FAU outlets were talking about it. FAU was keeping things very quiet. And then all of a sudden, Wednesday afternoon, you start hearing Taggart and a football scoop gets in it. A couple other people get in it. And then by mid-afternoon... I start hearing, okay, there's a really good chance it's going to be Taggart, and then that becomes, okay, it's Taggart. So, like you said, it went from the tumbleweed to the tornado. Very interesting. Um, I think it's a good hire for FAU. I want to know what you guys think. I think I'm, I'm honestly a little mixed. I like the hire. I am a little worried that FAU may have tried to force hiring a big name which I would not blame them for. And that's kind of why I really want to hear what Taggart's vision is, what he sees in this program. I was happy that he mentioned in the, in the press release that he views this as a long-term stop and he emphasized family. So we'll see how it goes. Eric, what did you think of FAU hiring Willie Taggart? Yeah, so kind of the outsider here, I'm going to kind of give my, uh, I'm going to use a phrase that Shane likes to use, which is the 10,000 foot view here of Willie Taggart at FAU. Jake, you and I touched about this, touched on this when we did our emergency pod. We both felt that it might be interesting to keep an eye on to see if FAU needs to bring in a big name and that, you know, it's biggest objective. So it depends on whether you really feel that Willie Tiger is a big name or not, but he is a name. He's a name in this area, um, whether it's Florida or he's a name nationally because of his time at Oregon and Florida state. So at least you can say, Hey, to those FAU fans who really 
bought into the idea of Lane Kiffin being the face of the program, which he was. We, you and I talk about they're not necessarily being any stars. It's not like a UCF situation where there's a Mackenzie Milton and a player is a star. Willie Taggart can be that guy. And we know that Willie Taggart can win the press conference. But, and I think Shane's concern is this, you know, where's the substance? You know, there's a lot of things. And I don't want to steal any of Shane's thunder. So I'm going to leave him as much room as possible here. But uh, I think these are the two major things that I would be looking for if I were an FAU fan or just, you know, as a casual observer of Conference USA. One, how quickly can he hit the ground running um, in terms of recruiting and this is a situation where Willie Taggart, when he took over Western Kentucky, he was taking over a program that, quite frankly, hadn't been any good. And in his first year, went two and ten, and then he turns it around to become a bowl team. He took over a USF team that was left really not in a great situation by current Louisiana Tech head coach Skip Holtz, and it took him about a year and a half up until he inserted Quentin Flowers, a quarterback, and they got that thing rolling, and they were a top twenty-five team in the nation. He went to Oregon. Not necessarily a rebuilding job, but it was a situation where it wasn't exactly the Oregon of, you know, the Joey Harrington days, Marcus Mariota days. And, you know, he, he goes seven and five and then leaves to take the job at Florida State. Florida State clearly was a rebuild that didn't work out well. Here's my concern. And Jake, I'm sure that, you know, you'll say this, too. And we're going to transition to Shane after this. But this is not a rebuild. This is a situation where, no pun intended, all he has to do is keep the train on the tracks. And I know that may hurt some FAU fans who would use train analogies at this point. I'm sorry, he's in Oxford. But all you have to do is just keep things steady. You don't have to go in there and try to you know, reinvent the wheel. This is a, gu- this is a great thing going. We've talked ad nauseum about the amount of depth and talent on this team. So can he do that? Those would be my major concerns. But all in all, I think it's a really good hire. One of the best points I saw made about it was on Twitter, that if you look at this team, this program's history in terms of coaches prior to Lane Kiffin, you're talking about guys like Charlie Partridge and Polini, And, you know, quite frankly, guys just didn't work out. So to get a coach to, with my, uh, in my opinion, the uh, level of cachet and, you know, someone who's as charismatic and, and as proven as Willie Taggart, at least uh, proven in the sense that he can take a program and get them to a top 25. I think that's huge for FAU and uh, Shane, I know you've got plenty of thoughts, man. So have at it. The floor is yours. I, here's my thing. And you're right. And the more you look at it, and especially we were just talking before the podcast, kind of like we always do is you see um, a school like Memphis, who's, you know, they're going to the New Year's six bowl, great G five program. Um, and they're, they're about, they're talking, I guess, last I saw Barry Odom, who's, you know, is rooming for the Arkansas state, Arkansas DC or a job or Memphis. And Barry Odom was just awful at Missouri. So this, this kind of, it's almost kind of the G five life higher in a way, you know, we, you know, the, we, we gotta, we're not accepting perfect tens, you know, um, I know it doesn't look great now, but like when Texas tired Tom Herman, there was that instant, like we know this is the guy done. He's won everywhere he's been, you know, type higher urban Meyer, stuff like that. Um, you know, UTSA, which is a program we talk about on this podcast is kind of a growing program in San Antonio. They, one of the bigger fan bases in conference USA, they hired Arkansas's running back coach. You know, I know a lot of people over there kind of seemed like that was underwhelming. Uh, you know, as regards to Willie, I was you know huge Willie fan going into Oregon and teamed up at Levitt up there, and I knew I loved everything he did at uh, USF. Uh, and the, then Florida State happened, and as you get closer 
to Willie and you don't know how much. And I think we'll never know uh, with Florida State fans. And you still see Florida State fans debate this, how much was on Willie there and how much was him. You know, I can only go by what I saw. And I, I saw a Florida State team that didn't get better. Okay. You know, almost regressed in some ways. They were second. They were one of the worst penalized teams in the country. You kind of saw, you know, after they lost to UM, Kirk Herbstreet went on a, on a um, kind of a rant on his Instagram, you know, about how like he was done with Florida State's program, just saying that those players are more concerned about talking and dancing and showing off and all this while they're getting their butts whooped every weekend, which is, you know, it's, I mean, when you're 129th in penalties, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to defend some of that stuff. And, you know, I guess there was a deep culture issue at Florida State, which year one, it's fine. You kind of live with that culture issue. Uh, you know, I heard there was some serious APR issues. Jimbo Fisher left at Florida State, so Willie couldn't turn the roster as much as he wanted. Uh, but you didn't see a lot of those culture issues get done either. You know, um, you, it, the fact that they missed on a quarterback back-to-back years – like Florida State took no freshman quarterbacks in two years he was there. Okay, the first year you get there, it's hard with this early signing period. Like, you know, the early signing period's a week from today. You know, how is Willie Taggart going to save FAU's class and add to it in a, a week? I mean, you know, he's living out of a suitcase. He's going to be here for probably less than 24 hours before he's on the road trying right. to get with the recruits. So it's like you, I get that first year, and then they missed on Sam Howell last year. You know, it's North Carolina. So, you know, there's just kind of a lot of little things. You know, I I was just, I mentioned Eric, you watch that Florida State Wake Forest game and my biggest pet peeve with the coach and we could talk to us and it was my biggest pet peeve. And Jake, you know, from all the times we talk about football and we debate stuff to annoy each other. uh, Like my biggest pet peeve is guys who don't manage clock or timeouts correctly. I mean, Charlie Partridge was awful at that. And, there was instances where that happened with Willie Taggart at Florida State. So, um, yes, his his resume looks good for FAU. His connections to Florida. I don't even think he's going to be, I think because of some of the stuff that happened at Florida State, I don't think two good years at FAU, especially with the country saying, oh, well, that's, those are, that's Lane's program. I don't think he's going to go anywhere anytime soon. I definitely think he – He's going to be, especially, you know, with the buyout, he has the money. And, you know, I, I think he's a little bit longer because th- this was more than just Lane. was just the nation wanted to see Lane Kiffin mature. Right. Uh, right. Really and I, and I, I think I, I have a lot more to prove to get back to like a job like Florida State. So I, I think it, it's going to he's a coach who could be here for a while if he's successful. So Lane and Taggart. I tweet this out. Both have very similar kind of career paths. Both were college quarterbacks who immediately went into coaching when their playing careers ended. Taggart was a co-offensive coordinator when he was 25. It's pretty cool. But obviously they both have had different career paths. Lane was in the NFL. Then he was at the power five level, whatever. Both came to FAU or in Taggart's case, come to FAU needing to prove themselves again. But I do think that you look at everything, I think Taggart is inheriting a much more talented team, a much more experienced team. 
And I think that he will be here not necessarily for the long haul because I think that carries six, seven, eight years to it. But I could see Taggart being here for four or five years. I think, especially with the Schmidt opening, I'm just going to keep referencing it. This FAU is becoming a top G5 job. You have the facilities. You have the stadium. Right now you have the players. It's a winnable conference. And I was saying all along, USF is in the American. FAU, I think, is such a better job than USF. So FAU got what they wanted, an offensive-minded head coach with head coaching experience, somebody who can sell a little bit in terms of the national name and in terms of the on-field stuff like clock management, in the same way that maybe needing to mature was a wake-up call for Kiffin, maybe some of those on-field issues or will be a wake-up call for Tagger, just stuff to think about over the next nine months and stuff that maybe he's been thinking about since things went wrong at Florida State. This is not last chance you. Taggart is still young. I think he's 43. So if things don't work here and he still wants to coach, sure, he'll get a chance somewhere. But this is another chance for him to build himself up again so that when the time comes, whether it's in 2021 or 2024 or 2030, that if he wants to go to a bigger program, back to P5 or P6, whatever it's going to be in 2030. It might then might be no power conferences that he has the resume and he's built something here that he can, that he can get that job. So I have a really quick question for both of you guys here. You know, I took the quote unquote 10,000 foot view in my opening comments and I, I want to get right to the heart of the matter here. Willie Taggart at USF and at Oregon And to an extent, what he was starting to get at at Florida State was the Gulf Coast offense. For those of you who aren't familiar, I know Shane and Jake are familiar with it, but for those of you listening who aren't familiar with it, uh, Willie Taggart calls his offense the Gulf Coast offense because he's from the Gulf Coast of Florida. He's from Sarasota, Bradenton. So it's kind of a hybrid of the West Coast offense. If you know he spent time, you know, kind of that Stanford tree and then also the Gulf Coast because he, he levels it that here. But my question is this for both of you guys, you know, and I, I guess I'll, I'll have Jake go first and then Shane, you can piggyback afterwards. Is there a situation, Chris Robinson is not a guy who's going to come in and do the same things that Quentin Flowers can do, right. but he can do similar things that, you know, maybe a James Blackman could do or other quarterbacks that he's had. What do you guys think in terms of just offensive, you know, schematics, Willie Taggart, FAU fit, can the Gulf Coast offense come in and work immediately? Or does, first off, do you think he's learned his lessons where he won't be as so quick to try to implement that? Or, you know, just overall, what are your guys' thoughts on his specific offensive philosophy and the talent at FAU currently? Uh, I, I mean, obviously it's G5. I, Gulf Coast, kind of the, I, I think um, people kind of see it as different. But in the end, college football is a little bit more basic, and it, you'd have to get in a film room to really see a lot of the differences or kind of the concepts. And a lot of it has to do with route concepts and blocking concepts. But college football, especially at the G5 levels, an RPO spread it out game, right? I mean, in the end, it's we're we're it's we're taking we're taking chicken and we're either grilling it or baking it. You know what I mean? It's it's a lot of the stuff is the same. You kind of see across the country, so. 
Some offenses tend to be a little bit more air raid, you know, something like you'd see at North Texas. Um, you know, FAU is more of that go fast Baylor kind of lean on the run, more of a little bit more of a simple passing game uh, type offense. I, you know, the the Art Bryles, I forgot exactly what he called it, but uh, like kind of a run and shoot, right? I, Eric, would you say that's kind of safe? To, I think it, it actually are. Like our, well, Art Bryles is, is what he calls the Baylor spread. So it has yeah, run and, the run and shoot principles, but not quite. Yeah, it, it has newer run and shoot principles. It's it's a very so um, we'd have to get an, a, like an experienced offensive coordinator on this podcast to really kind of explain and go full football nerd um, with this. But no, it's it, it is kind of crazy. It, it, people when things are going well, people don't want change, right? You know. Was Missouri's offense – is UCF's – let me ask you this, Eric. I think this is a great comparison. Is Scott Frost's offense the same as Josh Heupel's? I mean, it, so I think most people, they look the same on TV, but I think when you talk to your huge UCF fans you see on Twitter, you, there's little things they say are different, right? The, the, really quick, and I do want to let Jake jump in here, but really quick. You're, you're correct in that uh, to the surface, to the average fan, it may look the same. There are little nuances that are different. However, I'll just make this point in terms of Willie Taggart's Gulf Coast offense in relation to, you know, maybe the things that you may have asked uh, Chris Robinson to do. Those things, I believe, are and not tremendously different, but they are a little bit different. So I, that's just the point I want to make. You, Eric, I mean, Jake, let me just go real quick where we're talking about X's and O's. Sure, sure. Yeah, I just good coaches take their players and do what's best for them. Absolutely. Okay. That's yeah, that, it. Exactly. I, well, Absolutely. we're talking about Bill Belichick going from one year where he might not have all the receivers and realizing he's got to turn the ball and make and hand the ball off more, which he's won Super Bowls doing that. Or some years where he has the receivers and Brady throws for 50 touchdowns. I mean, even Saban adapted and grew when he hired Lane Kiffin and goes, man, everyone's beating me. I can't just line up with two tight ends and a back anymore. You know, people are beating me. I got to spread it out a little, you know, now Alabama has four first round picks running around at receivers, good coaches. Their scheme is what's best for my players, right? That should be their scheme. So, you know, no coach trying to say, you know, this is my scheme. If you guys don't make it work, it's on you. You know what I mean? That's bad coaching. Well, that was what I was going to respond with all along, and that's one of the things that I really want to see when spring camp opens. And obviously this is before we know who the offensive coordinator is, whether it's Weiss or somebody else, who else is on the offensive staff. What is the offense going to look like? Because Lane Kiffin, he said all throughout the first month of this season, we want to be a running team. Charlie Weiss said at the Bible, we want our identity to be a running team. Well, you got deeper into the season. Obviously, FAU was still running the ball, but they weren't afraid to throw it 30 times a game or 35 times a game. They weren't afraid to do some different stuff passing. So you're right. You adjust depending on your personnel. And if we see maybe next year FAU runs a similar offense to what they ran under the Kiffin years, kind of that spread offense, so be it. I just don't want – FAU to put or Taggart to put his players in the position well where it's my way or the highway, which is something that coaches used to do. Like I said, you need to build your team around your strengths. 
you could have one really good lead running back who's a power back, which is kind of what we saw with Motor. He was a power back who could make some moves. But you can't just rely on him all the time. you got to have some different weapons in there. And I think that was why FAU struggled last year, is I've said it before. It was Motor or Bust. This year you had so many different guys and you could do different things. And and it's easy, you know, Eric. I mean, uh, Chris Robinson's one of the best quarterbacks in Conference USA, but his game is nothing like Quentin Flowers. Exactly, exactly. You can't make Chris Robinson quit. I mean, Jake. There's. I think the championship game is the first time I see saw Chris have a few nice runs, but. He's an okay athlete. He's good at getting away from people in the pocket, but he ain't going to make anyone miss in the open field. He's kind of a long strider, giraffe, goofy runner. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we were sold on him being a dual threat quarterback, and we saw yeah, flashes. We saw flashes of it as a freshman. Like I remember he had that really long touchdown against Middle Tennessee State in Murfreesboro. But well, when he gets going absolute straight in because he, he's a tall, lanky kid, and I think those right. long strides kind of when he's running straight, he's fast. Like he'll beat people in a sprint, but it, he ain't Quentin Flowers. All right? He's not Quentin Flowers. <laughs> yeah. He's not he's not Quez. He's not Madden 05 Michael Vick. He's not gonna beat you with his legs intentionally. He might be able to so, pick up some extra yards on a scramble or on a QB read, will, but he's not he's not gonna run he's not gonna run for hundred yards. Really again. can't run that same run that same offense, right? Like, Eric, you agree with this, right? Like, I, I agree. The only reason I bring it up, and like I said, I'm not trying to scare FAU fans at all. I just want to be in give an honest perspective of, you know, what he's done. The biggest thing that can, would concern me if I were an FAU fan is the first two years at, at USF, you had Mike White. It was Mike White and Stephen Bench, a former Notre Dame transfer. Mike White's name should sound familiar because he lit up Conference USA when he got to Western Kentucky. He couldn't hit the backside of a barn uh, when he was at USF. And how much of that is attributed to Willie Taggart necessarily trying to run the Gulf Coast? Who knows? It just goes to say that, you know, Mike White looked like a guy who, you know, couldn't play at any level at USF. He goes to Western Kentucky and then he's with the Dallas Cowboys right now. Willie Taggart gets quit in flowers. The system flourishes. So I just I'm not trying to scare FAU fans. I just feel like that's a point that's worth noting. Well, that's the good thing of Chris Robinson being entrenched as your starting quarterback, barring obviously a transfer or an injury or something else. Chris, we know what he is as a quarterback. And if Taggart doesn't see it and his staff doesn't see it and they try to change Chris, there's going to be problems. Now, at the same time, I think somebody like Tronti fits Taggart's system well. Tronti is a very physical runner, like Javion Posey. Javion Posey also. (laughs) And if if Robinson had a mediocre year – then this is a completely different conversation. Chris Robinson should have won Conference USA MVP. That's a conversation Agreed. for another yeah. day. But we know what he is. He is an, he's an arm-first quarterback, and you're going to roll your eyes and say, well, obviously. No, in college football, there's a lot of guys who will make the short passes but are going to beat you with their legs. Chris is going to beat you with his arm and the occasional goal-line touchdown. That's fine. That's who he is. If you change that, you run the risk of – reducing FAU's offense from a team that can put up 30 a game to a team that puts up 20 a game. Yeah. I, it, I mean, Eric made the comparison and you know, th- this 
could or you know of the keep the train on the tracks and i kind of said you know sometimes when a car is a beautiful ferrari is going down the road at 180 miles an hour the slightest wheel turn it can go tumbling you know i think there is a certain element of that um in g5 football so you know it's really hard for these programs to keep it going but you know i i I was i was kind of like a little upset at first just because some of the stuff that went on with Willie. But again, you know, I, I do think there's an element that FE fans were spoiled having Lane Kiffin. That scenario. 100% spoiled that, and that spoiled in every way, yeah. on the field and off the field. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, the scenario of having a guy that won 10 games at USC under sanctions and pretty much only got fired because he kind of has a quirky personality goes and coaches at Alabama for the, the OC at Alabama for three years, loses two games and comes here because ADs are still shy of kind of, you know, he Lane has carries himself a little different than most coaches and people wanted to see him run a program for three years. You know, that scenario and FAU fans were kind of looking at, I saw Sark's name, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's name thrown out there a lot. And, you know, there is some elements of, Willie, Willie, obviously, personally, is great. I mean, he donated a million dollars, you know, to the Florida State football program. I mean, the guy, you watch his press conference and you felt bad for the guy because you saw a guy losing his dream job, right? Like, um, it's, when he got the job, it's the dream. It's the job he talked about having as a kid. But, you know, he gets to stay in the state and you know Willie Taggart's going to give everything to this program and the community. And I think he'll even do some things you know, maybe with kind of growing the season ticket base and, you know, he's not going to have, like, I think you said it, JT, Willie Tiger will go out there and shake hands and kiss babies. Which is what I think you have to do. Right. right. Eric, you know, you, I mean, you know him from growing up in Tampa, right? Like he's a community guy, correct? It, it, Willie Taggart was very much entrenched in the community here in Tampa. I mean, even to the point where, you know, I, he's a guy who you'd see in the barbershop, you know, like, and, and just talking to, to the people in the barbershop, you know, just being one of the guys hanging out, you know? So, and I, and, and I want to say this very clearly when I say hanging out, I don't mean that in a, cause I know that can be taken many ways. I don't mean that in an irresponsible way. Like he's right. not conducting himself in the way of a, a college football coach. I mean, just, he's a guy who can go into the, like Jake said, he's going to shake hands and kiss babies. He can walk into the barbershop and be one of the guys to hang out and then also be the football coach. So yes, he was very entrenched in the community here in Tampa. Yeah. FAU fans. I mean, this with all due respect, I think everybody in the FAU community kind of put Lane Kiffin on the pedestal from the second he got here, which is, oh, my God, it's Lane Kiffin. He was the coach of the Raiders. He was the coach at USC. And Lane was somebody who, this is going to sound crazy because of how much he tweeted about the program, did not take advantage of properly marketing the program. And it wasn't fully on him, but Lane was not the type of guy who would stop at the coach's show, and if you came up to him, you were a season ticket holder and you were a donor, he would make conversation that he would make conversation with the people he knew, the people like Jim Reardon, who's great, who runs the FAU Sport NBA program. Obviously, he'd make conversation with Brian White when he saw him. But Lane was never the guy who, oh, yeah, I've seen you around at uh, a couple events. What's your name again? Oh, hey, how you doing, Jim? How's your uh, how's your kid? How's your daughter? Did she get into college? Lane was never that guy. And when you need to raise money and when you need to 
kind of have people that are going to have your back if things we, go we wrong. We need to That's sell need $10 to end zone tickets. Right? Lane like, did, Lane did yeah. not do that. And by yeah. the way, since you guys keep talking about getting, keeping the train on the rails or keeping the train on the tracks, how about keeping the wagon on the road? It's the wagon, Willie Wagon, baby. <laughs> I, yeah, it's you know we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out. I I think um, you know just for FAU playing in this bowl game again, I, I think they're going to play hard for Glenn Spencer. You know we'll see how the staff kind of forms together. I think that's the biggest thing. There were some reports out there. I know Darren Ravel tweeted that FAU is giving four million dollars to Florida State. That's usually not how it works. Usually when a coach gets a major buyout they have language that says if you go take another job, you know, that buyout's cut into and it's FEU probably hasn't worked out in the details of something that FEU's not writing a $4 million check to Florida state. Right. Is is that a safe assumption by me guys? (laughs) Yeah. For what it's worth. Um, it seems like information on Taggart's contract is starting to get out there. I saw Tim Reynolds of the AP tweets a five, uh, it's a five-year deal, um, and it is being reported that Taggart's going to make – is in the $1 million range, which is about what Kiffin was. Kiffin made nine fifty k a year. Unlike Kiffin's deal, FAU did not issue Taggart a loan to purchase a home. Hey, Taggart's got the money. If he has the credit score, maybe he has a nice house on the beach, or I'm going to walk yeah. outside or, – or, or I'm going to walk outside in the morning. Biggest. I'm going to see Willie Taggart walking out of the apartment building next to me. Hey, Coach, how are you? And do do you guys agree with me? Biggest, most important number uh, in coaching hires you see is that assistant pool. Correct. Yes, I'd agree absolutely. Yes, I mean one of the things where I think you know we did. You said USF's a better job, uh, not as good job as FAU, and I think FAU is a lot of things over USF. They gave Jeff Scott $3.5 million in assistant pool, which is a million more than, than Lane had here. So, yeah, it, I, I, you know, I want to see how much he gets, especially, you, especially you because. You are only as good as your assistants. Right. They, they, really quick, they gave him, and this is my opinion, they gave him that assistant pool because they got to cover up for the fact that their facilities aren't great. And saying aren't great is me being nice on this podcast. So I think they have to do that with certain coaches. Whereas, you know, not in shade, I'm not, you know, kind of poo-pooing on your point because I think it is, it's, it's a major point, but to get, to take someone to, to get someone to take that USF job, you got to do a lot of selling when you see their facilities. Guess what? The Smith, I saw it when I walked past it, you know, covering the uh, FAU, FIU game, that should be a seller in itself. Exactly. So, yeah, FAU's program will be fine. Then again, you never know with these things. You know, there's the emotion of it. FAU fans, I'm emotional about it, you know, up and down. And But this is college football. You know, coaches don't stay. You know, we talk about – you, Jake, I think the last thing – you mentioned longevity. What's the definition? The longevity in college football now is I'd consider five years. Right? I mean – I would many, agree. I, I would many, agree. I would say less than – 20% of the coaches in the country right now have been at their job more than five years. And so then le- you said less than 20%. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you probably, yeah, you're probably right. Eric, does that number sound right to you? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. I mean, even then, if you go to a number like 10, it's it, literally, it's a handful. We're talking Saban, Kirk Ferentz, <laughs> you know, uh, Re- really quick, Shane, isn't Butch Davis the longest tenured coach in, in the state of Florida right now? Yes. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so, so to your point. To your point. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's 
Yeah, and, and he was rumored for a job last week for a minute. So it's like, you know, that's that's what happens. So, uh, but yeah, you know, thank you guys. You know, we'll we'll have a lot. You know, like I said, the, the bowl game's coming up, and um, recruiting's the first signing days next week. So, uh, you know, follow that. We'll see how kind of that all plays out.